grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we hear the final message in this series called The Storyteller. It's the parables of Jesus. As Pastor Sean is teaching from Luke chapter 5, where we find Jesus sitting with a bunch of tax collectors. And when Jesus starts talking, the Pharisees start getting nervous. When they figure out, he's talking about them. And when you listen to this message, ask the Lord to speak to you. Do you need God to do something new in you? Pastor Sean will spell out how Jesus encouraged people at this party to chase after fresh faith. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part two of the message called More Wine. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Oh, Jesus. Now that's new. That's different. He blew their minds. Think about Simon Peter. How about the Apostle Paul? Paul was a persecutor. He was a Pharisee and a persecutor. Who God said, I want you to become an apostle. I want you to write most of the New Testament and help shape the church. He even gave them new names. Remember, Abram became Abraham. Jacob was given a new name. Remember what it was? Israel. Simon became Peter. And Saul, the rabbi, the Pharisee, became the apostle Paul. See, God has always been about new things. The problem is we sometimes get attached, even addicted to the old things, right? It's got a pull on us. You know what I'm talking about? It's familiar. Sometimes just the old things, the rut we're in, kind of just the way things are, it's just, it's comfortable. It's predictable, right? It feels safe. It gives me the illusion of control. It's like, it's like well, I can manage this, so it's okay. But, but honestly, if we stop and think about it, when it comes to this issue of our faith, when it comes to the sense of vision that God's given us for our lives, the old can sometimes just be boring. And I want to ask you, does your spiritual life, your faith life ever feel boring? Does it ever feel stale, dry? Ever feel lifeless? Jesus wants to pour out new wine. That is not the way he created. He did not create it so that, that we would just be kind of maintaining and wondering, you know, what am I really doing here? If you've ever felt that way, I want to say there's good news. Jesus wants to pour out new wine. The question is, will we make room for it? Because God is ready to do a new thing. And the real question is, are, are you and I? If we're going to make room, if God's going to do a new thing through his spirit in us, if he's going to use us differently, if we're going to see something different, I think there's a few things that we need to do. First, number one, we need to decide to let God do something new in your life. You need to decide to let God do something new in your life. Verse 39 in chapter 5 of Luke, Jesus, remember after he talked about the wineskins? He said this little statement. It's real easy for you just to skip over it if you're not careful. He says, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. But what he's saying is, if you're satisfied with the old, it's kind of like, oh, it's good enough. And, and I understand. I hope there's no sommeliers in the room, okay? I, understand, I get it. I know old wine is, is better, right? No, no, the, Jesus is talking about something very different here. He's talking about something fresh, something new. He says, if you, if you allow yourself to settle, you just get a taste of it, it's fine. It's fine, it's comfortable, it's predictable, I know it. I don't want anything new, I'm, I'm just okay. Don't settle for old wine. Don't settle. 
for less than God's best. Don't settle for less than the Spirit vibrantly living in and through you. Isaiah 43, again, God's talking to his people who are under judgment. And he says, forget the former things. He's promising them something else that's going to come. He says, forget the former things. Sometimes that's just good advice. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Note those phrases, a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Some of us, the reason we can't even envision God doing something more is because of kind of how things have been in the past. Well, it's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. Or maybe, Sean, you don't know how badly I've screwed it up. You don't know what I've done. I don't think God has any new plan for me. I'll take your word for it on grace. I can get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. But this idea of God doing something new, God really working in and through me, Sean, you don't know. Maybe you failed in the past. You thought, I tried it. It doesn't work. I know people told me they prayed about something and God doesn't do what they want, and so the prayer doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's like, you know, I'll send it back. Have you failed? I want to say to you, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. God wants to do a new thing. Came across this when I was reading this week. Uh, Bill Murray, you guys know Bill Murray, the actor, right, comedian, from Saturday Night Live, and then it's made a lot of movies, a lot of funny, humorous movies, and then some more serious, kind of kind of important films, like What About Bob? I mean, I think that's, you know, baby steps to three o'clock, baby steps to three Recently, 2007, he claimed that a work of art saved his life. He tells a story how he was in Chicago for his first experience as an actor. And he said, my performance was so bad, I just walked out afterwards, and onto the street. Kept walking for a couple of hours. I realized I walked in the wrong direction. And I'm not just saying the wrong direction towards where I live, but also the wrong direction in my desire to stay alive. His performance was so bad, and he'd worked so hard, and he thought he'd blown it. And for a young person, a young artist, thinking I had my shot and I blew it, he thought it was over. And he went to a very dark place. He headed for Lake Michigan as he contemplated taking his own life. He goes on and says, I thought if I'm going to die, I might as well go toward the lake and float a bit, which, I mean, I think that's just good, good common sense, right? He says, so I walked towards the lake, and I reached Michigan Avenue, and I started walking north. Somehow I ended up in front of the Art Institute. There's a beautiful art institute right there off of Lake Michigan in Chicago. And I walked inside. He says, there was a painting of a simple peasant woman working in a field. You can see it on the screens there. She had a sunrise behind her. He says, I always loved that painting. I saw it that night and I said, look, there's a girl without a whole lot of prospects, but the sun's coming up. She's got another chance at it. I said, I'm a person too, and I'll get another chance every single day. He looked at that painting and decided to live. The painting is called Song of a Lark by Jules Breton. That sunrise is interesting. It just reminds me, we sang a song today. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. I don't know where you've been in your journey with the Lord. I don't know if you're discouraged. I don't know if you failed. I don't know if you're just coasting. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're doing great. I, I don't know. All I know is the sun came up today, and the Lord gave us a new day. It's a gift. You know what? Same thing's going to happen tomorrow. What are you going to do with that? 
Are you going to do the same thing? When, when you have this sense in your spirit, God wants to do something new. I know it. I feel it. I've sensed it. I've wrestled with it. Are, are you going to tomorrow, when that sun comes up, are you going to say, oh, well, I'm stuck? Or are you going to recognize, no, 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 God's given me an opportunity, and he's here, and he wants to do a new thing. His spirit is with me. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. His spirit is in me. Are you going to allow him to do something new? See, I think one of the biggest things that we need to do is is we need to stop and look around and see what God might already be doing. I mean, we go through our lives so kind of driven. We pack so much in. and, And please, I'm not saying this in judgment. I'm a pastor. I know. I know what God wants to do. I've seen God do things. But I also... We've got a school, we've got a large fellowship here, we've got, we work with lots of different organizations, we've got a lot going on. I pack my schedule kind of full. And if I'm not careful, I can be, have my nose to it, oh, i got this, this, this. I, I can never stop looking around and go, wait a minute, God, what are you wanting to do? I mean, I'm here with a group of people, I'm, I'm in a car with some people, I'm in a grocery store with some people, I'm in a meeting. What do you, what's your agenda, God, or do I just have the business I've got to get through? How do we look at it? Because if we stop and look around, there's amazing things around us. And, and you know, I, I liken that passage of Scripture, the Isaiah passage. He said, see, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Some of you right now feel like you are in a wilderness or a wasteland. It's like, man, I'm in a dry place. God doesn't even know I exist. I want to say to you, God said, I am making a way in the wilderness. I am making streams in the wasteland. So if you are in a wilderness or a wasteland, I, 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 want, I want to say to you, don't be discouraged. God's with you. And he is making a way. He's making a way. He will make streams in that wilderness that will nourish you. I remember when God had us in a wilderness season. And I thought he'd forgotten made some promises, called us, there was this vision. But man, I looked around, nothing like that vision. Nothing. Early in the development of this ministry. It's hard. But I began to realize, we began to realize, oh, wait a minute. God brought us here to teach us things, to loosen our grip on the other stuff, and to teach us to focus in on Him. He's making a way in the wilderness. He's got streams for us in this wasteland. God's with you. See, God's ready to do the new thing. The question is, are you? And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called More Wine in the series, The Storyteller, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, find that Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast. Broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit filled life. 
I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, more wine. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. I think the second thing we need to do is we need to expect God to work in new ways. We need to expect God to work in new ways. Don't expect him to do the same thing the same way. I think, I think that's really weird. Even when we say, okay, God, I want you to do something, we begin to sense God moving, and yes, God, you go for it, and we start kind of down the path. We then expect him to do everything exactly like common sense would tell us. Exactly like the best systems that man has kind of come up with, or like whatever expert says, this is, this is what God's going to do. He's going to do exactly the same. And that's one of the biggest mistakes. Imagine, if I understood or concurred with everything God did, that wouldn't be very divine on his part, would that be? wouldn't be very godlike. No, if God is doing something, I should expect it to be surprising. I want to challenge you, beware the conventional. Beware the conventional. When we started this ministry, God asked to do some things that were very unconventional. And yet, you know, nobody wants to be embarrassed in front of your friends and family and people who know you and other ministry associates and stuff. And so we're doing these unconventional things, and there's just this little deal, and and it's kind of embarrassing because it's like, we've got this ministry, let me tell you about it. Well, what is it? Well, actually, technically, it's like stationary in the spare bedroom, right? That's all that there really is to show. We wanted to be legitimate, and people looked at us like, I don't really know what you're doing. In fact, when, uh, when we bought our first house, a relative of ours was the realtor. <laughs> she was explaining to someone, the financier or some, uh, someone, you know, because they asked, well, what does he do? Well, and here's what she said. She said, well, he's a minister, sort of. He's, he's a minister, sort of. <laughs> some of you are going, we still describe you that way, Sean. <laughs> That's nothing new there. I can laugh at it now, right? I can look back and laugh at it. Because people now feel like, oh, yeah, you got a real thing going, okay? Back then it hurt. It was frustrating. Because I knew God had called us. And we wanted to be legitimate. I want to say beware that kind of desire for the conventional. Expect God to work in new ways, to do something different. I want to just give a word quickly to young people who are here. And when I say young people, I'm talking about those of you either at that point or before that point where you're, you're making life decisions, you know? And I just want to say, don't just follow the conventional path because life will give you a conventional path. And it's just like boxes you check. Okay, I got to do this, check. Got to do this, check. Got to do this, check. You can get to 40 just checking boxes. Just doing the conventional thing. Oh, the next certification, next training, next degree, next thing. And you can get, you can go through half your life and look back and go, is this what God really wanted? And you never stopped and asked that question. I want to say that you should stop and ask the question. I want to say, college education is a wonderful thing, but you should stop and ask the question, God, is this what you have for me? I think you should get in that habit. Remember what James said? James said, you who say, I'm going to go to this city and do this, I'm going to go to that city and do that. He said, what you should be saying is, if the Lord wills, I'm going to go this city or that city because we're to be disciples followers 
And I think we just get on this treadmill. And please don't misunderstand me. College education is a great thing. But in every area of life, as a young adult, as older adults, we should stop and ask the question, God, is this what you have? God, what, what's your plan? What do you want me to do? God, do you want me to go the conventional route? And he may, and that's great. Do it. But if he says, no, I've got something else for you, follow him. Trust me, because as much as a degree is helpful, and it can be a wonderful thing, a wonderful tool in your preparation, it's nothing compared to the power of God working through someone. It's nothing compared to the Spirit of God doing things that we just can't do in human strength. That's the kind of new thing God wants to do. God wants to do something powerful through you. God wants to do stuff that you look back and go, I don't know how that happened, but wow, that was awesome. Because God was at work. And I just want to say to you, don't limit yourself. Get in the habit now of saying, God, what do you want to do? What's your direction? And don't be too addicted to the conventional. Because God has this habit of trying to loosen our grip on legitimacy, our, our desire for legitimacy, and our addiction to the conventional. I mean, if we're going to expect God to work in new ways, we've, we've got to expect change, too. We've got to expect change. Things aren't going to stay the same. And let me just have a word to the older folks right now. We love change, don't we? It's our favorite. We better get used to the idea that if God's going to do a new thing, that means change. And I don't want to leave all of the exciting new steps, new bold leaps of faith to the kids. I think God's got some left for you and I. And here's the thing. We better make room for change. And, and, and not just for us. Okay? We better make room for change in those who are coming behind us. You see, you got to, you got to hear from my Sean 2.0, right? You know, you've got a 2.0 behind you. You got 2.0s behind you in your family, in your business, in your schools, and they're there. Are we going to let them do things differently because God wants to do a new and a different thing? I remember, you guys know I'm a musician and a worship leader, and I remember when I first started out, man, there, there was kind of a lot of tension over worship music, okay? The norm in the churches I was working at were, was, was an organ and a piano and a choir. That's what, you, that's what church music looked like. And so I come along and I'm like, well, we're going to do music with an acoustic guitar and we're going to have drums and we're going to do something totally different. And, you know, there was a lot of tension over that. But I want to thank God that there were a few humble, wise leaders who said, you know what, God's doing a new thing here. We better make room for that. We better make room for God to do that. And although you and I know that God intended worship music to be played with an acoustic guitar. It's like, it's like the worship music of heaven. We know that, okay? Let me tell you, these kids come behind us, they don't know that. They're, they're bringing noisy stuff. They're bringing guitar sounds that you never even heard of before. They've got computers on the stage. This kid's got a computer on the stage. What's he doing over there? Emailing? Come on, pay attention. We're worshiping here. And what's, and what's funny is God's given me a chance He's saying, will you be humble enough to recognize I want to do a new thing and it's going to look different in them than it is in you. I still have a new thing I want to do in you, but I want to do a new thing in them. Are you going to let them? Or are you going to try to cram them into the old wineskins? 
cram what I'm doing, my, what my spirit wants to do in them? Are you going to try to cram that in at once? Or are you going to be humble enough and thankful enough to sit and just give me glory and praise and encourage them, fan the flames, coach them up, help them to go for it? Because that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be that guy. God is ready to do a new thing. The question is, are we? A third thing is, I think we need to be open to engaging in new relationships. We need to expect God to work in new ways, but we also need to be open to engaging in new relationships. Because I want to tell you, in my life, almost every great new thing God has done, he ushered in through a new relationship of some kind. Some new relationship that sparked something, that, that began something new. You know, Jesus ministered to tax collectors and sinners, and that was really a stretch for some of those leaders. But I have to tell you, at least they were Jewish. If they could have known what was coming, they would have really had a fit. Acts chapter 11, you remember? God called Simon Peter to go, and we actually, when we were in Israel, got to be in, in Caesarea where he sent Simon Peter to minister to a man named Cornelius who was a Roman military leader and his family, and they're all Gentiles, right? Right? And this was something that these Jews, they'd followed Jesus for three years. They'd had the day of Pentecost. They started establishing the church. They st- this still was not on their radar. This was like, should we even talk to these people? God sends Peter. He ends up there. He shares Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls on them. And it's kind of almost humorous in Peter's description of this event when he tells it to the church back in Jerusalem. He says this. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections, and they praised God saying, and look what they said, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's like, Wow, this was, this was a mind-blowing thing. Even up to this point, they didn't imagine that it was beyond Israel, that the Messiah was coming. Now, we know, now, hindsight, we know that, remember, God promised Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm gonna, you're going to be a blessing the whole world. I'm going to bless the whole world through you. This was God's plan all along. But to them, Messiah was for Israel, for the Jews. And i got to tell you, we sat, stood on that spot in Caesarea, and we remembered that story. We just had a, a prayer of thanks because I asked my group who was with us, I said, how many of you guys are Jewish? And of course, no hands. In our particular group, we didn't have anybody who was Jewish. This is the very place where the Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time on Gentile believers. And when it became possible for us to enter into the redemption that God ushered in through Israel. You see, new people is something God wants to do. And, you know, we're in, and we're like, oh, good. And it's available to the whole world. But I want to say this gets really practical and kind of comes down. God does so much through relationships. A new thing will almost always involve new relationships. People you wouldn't expect. You just wouldn't expect. You know? There's a guy at your work. God may want you to minister to him. You're like, not that guy. He's crazy. No way. I wouldn't even go to a movie with that guy let alone church. People who you wouldn't choose. People who are different than you. See, I think God 
gives us everyday opportunities to see the miraculous, and they're all around us. If we'll just look up long enough to see them. Remember the movie with Jim Carrey? Yes, man. Okay, goofy, funny movie. But there's a real truth there. I, as a Christian, I saw how many times I think I say no automatically because that's just my, my default. I got my agenda, my stuff. Someone will come and ask me something. Oh, I, I don't think I can. Or, or no, I, I appreciate it, but no. I remember God walking me through a time of just going and, and trying to get closer to him every day, trying to consult him literally on every little thing, almost to the point of ridiculousness. But just trying to say, wait a minute, he's with me all the time. I'm going to seek him, seek him, seek him. One of the biggest things I noticed is how many times he caused me to say yes when I would have ordinarily said no. How many times someone would say, hey, could you? And, I, and instead of just going, oh, I'm sorry, I don't think I can, I would, I would stop and go, Lord, what do you want? Dang it, he said yes. Okay, I'm gonna, God said yes. I, I'm not, I don't want to do it, but God said I have to, so here I come. No, I, I didn't say that. That would be rude. But there was this sense of, of green light. Yes, yes, engage with that person. Yes, spend time with that person. Yes, invest in that person. And I also saw every time I did it and said yes, something good and surprising happened. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.